0: You are listening to Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. Hey everybody, Aaron Richmond again with another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion. The podcast for blind people where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community. Telephone number for text message contributions and voicemails or you just want to get in touch. 12406819869. 12406819869. Or Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com. A A R O N S O P I N I O N 6 at gmail.com. Follow on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and even consider commenting below on YouTube or commenting below or actually becoming a uh, patron on my Patreon page. I appreciate the support. Um, basically, I would like to say disclaimer. The following episode contains uh, somewhat politically charged content uh, that may and probably will be offensive to some listeners of Aaron's opinion. If you don't like talking about politics, do not listen to this episode. Now, for, for today's, or this morning's, or tonight's, whenever you're listening, now for today's guest. Um... You probably remember the episode called Butterfly, where I spoke with Rebecca Rebecca Meadows, CEO of Blue Butterfly Enterprises, and now uh, she's joining us again today in this episode um, because she would really like to speak about her concerns about some things that are going on around the United States and her aspirations, um, because hopefully she she will be running for public office. So, basically... Um, That's what this one's about. She did a great job as always. She was much... By the way, not that she was not comfortable before, which she was when she was speaking. She was very confident the first time. But I'm noticing even on this one, she did an even better job at sharing her story and sharing her thoughts and all of her concerns. And now, let's call this episode When a Butterfly Runs for Public Office. So... Um, thank you for listening from all over the world. If you're listening to the podcast, it could be really any day in time, but if it's on the radio side, it's definitely Thursday, definitely 12 o'clock and it's time for Aaron's opinion on life improvement radio on the Helium Radio Network. Well, welcome back um where or where shall we begin the interview I think that because you've been on the channel before I think that a lot of you at home will recognize our guest um for this much appreciated by the way and very impromptu episode I want to actually work backwards because I want you to be able to share all of your opinions and all of your um aspirations so let's think back to yesterday blind view 57 uh you were speaking a lot about the various concerns and your various aspirations so at some point uh, rebecca someone will ask you so if elected to public office what what will you do what are all of your concerns what are all of your aspirations go ahead
1: oh Here, hold on, let me mute my phone. Sure, sure, sure. Because I'm just not getting a text
0: message. That
1: is fine. No problem. I have have a lot of concerns, Um, most of them related to our um, social things, right? Like the condition of our schools um, is a huge one for me, the condition or the quality of the education that our children are or aren't getting is a huge concern of mine. I've always been felt very strongly about education. And um, so that's one of my great concerns. Another one of my great concerns is um, our security here in the United States, um, both when it comes to our borders, and I'm speaking also our economic security, um, our healthcare security. Um, I just feel like so many of the, major points that we all are concerned about are have been in jeopardy for a while. And and I it really drives me crazy. And I feel like our politicians are are busy with their own agendas and they're they're ripping off the American people and the voters are getting the short end of the stick, right? They're getting what's left over after the politicians are done with all their agenda and I'm tired of it. And I, I think we need to start focusing our, using our tax dollars for the people, for Americans more and for what we need here.
0: Yeah, and I I couldn't, I could not agree more. Um, And I think that one of the, how do I even, how do I even phrase this without just Diving into the deep end with you, but you know we're going to get there. So let's just get it. Let's just start in the deep end and we're going to try to walk towards, swim towards shallow waters. I guess is that you know you guys at home know my political views, and you know that if you don't agree with my political views, you shouldn't be listening to this episode. So everyone who's listening at this point is is a conservative, but overall is an American. Um, and one of the concerns that I have had and that. I continue to have to have to this very moment, is that it seems to be very strange that a lot of people um, in the blindness community um, and a lot of people with with disabilities seem to be electing into office people who are very liberal, and mm-hmm. and I don't really know why, because those are the people that seem to be doing a lot of things that actually hurt a lot of people, including people with disabilities. So the reason I'm phrasing it this way is I promise you that you're going to get some pushback from the disability community about your views and that even though you're obviously the right thing for the country, there's no doubt in my mind about that as, as a supporter, you're going to have people that won't vote for you just because of your views. So what are you going to and of course, at some point you're going to have so, to practice. So, what are you going to say about this, so and how are you? Going to I, yeah,
1: I, I, I've been disabled since 1989 when I was 12 years old, and it's a tough, tough road to walk. And, but at some point, and you have to stop listening to all the people saying, "Oh, poor you," it's okay that. That you're angry it's okay that you're bitter it's okay that you lash out at people it's okay that you're choosing to just sit at home and feel sorry for yourself because you're blind we all understand right and i got tired of that attitude and that was never the attitude i wanted to take and i really felt like the adults in my life were using that as a way to pacify themselves and try to pacify me so that i wouldn't notice that they weren't giving me services so I wouldn't notice that they weren't giving me the tools that I needed to succeed. And so that I wouldn't notice that they were robbing me. And it made me so angry as that child living through it. And it makes me so angry seeing it go on now as an adult, right?
0: Sure, of course. Of course.
1: And and so, so I I so as someone who didn't get wasn't given Braille training and wasn't given cane training and was, went through public school and managed to graduate by the skin of my teeth, right? As someone who went through all that and then I come to where I'm at now in life and I'm meeting all these other disabled people who had the Braille training, who had the cane training. And they decided to take the attitude that the, the country and the world owed them something and that they shouldn't have to put forth any more effort to make something of themselves. And it really irritates me when I meet disabled people like that, disabled people who have the training to go do something and instead of going to school and using their braille skills and their computer skills or instead of going to work and using their braille skills and their computer skills, they choose to sit at home and say, oh, it's the system's fault. Because you know, I tried for years and years and years and years with no training, with none, and I kept trying and I kept kept little by little, I was overcoming the system that was stacked at me, little by little, I was overcoming all of the roadblocks and barriers in front of me, even with very little to no help from the adults in my life. And then I eventually became a blind adult. And I eventually met people who did help me get the proper tools and stuff. But I, I just feel like there are disabled people out there who need to be held accountable because the ones who had these tools from the beginning, who chose not to do anything with it, it really makes me angry, you know, and so I just want to talk to those people, you know, here in America, you're given a lot of great things. I, I was living in rural Montana, and so I wasn't given access to Braille training in my public school and O&M training in my public school. But I know that there are people in larger cities, even in the state I was living in, there are blind people in larger cities who were getting those things at school. But, you know, I met so many blind people in my life who've been blind their whole lives, who got this, these trainings in public school and who a lot of them even went on to college. And for some reason, today, they're just sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. They never went and did anything with it. And it just makes me so angry. In America, we have so many so many tools and and gifts available to us to help us become more productive, more, people that benefit society more, right? And I just feel like we need to start utilizing those tools and taking advantage of them um, and really making something of ourselves because I've seen so much waste go on in just the, the disabled system, right? With all of the, the money that's wasted on, on services for people who don't really appreciate it or who aren't really planning on utilizing it or doing anything with it, right? And I suspect the same fraud and abuse goes on in all areas of our government. And that's why there's so much overspending that goes on. I, I, I think somebody needs to go through our, our, the financial books of our government and, you know, get them, get them spending the money the right way, because there's so much fraud and waste and abuse, just hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars, right? And... I, I'm so tired of hearing of billions and trillions, you don't you don't even hear the word billion anymore. It's always trillions. All these big spending bills they, they're always doing. they're always trillions and trillions of dollars. And and it, I just feel like we need to start thinking about what we're doing with these trillions of dollars. I think if we were spending them more here at home for helping people here like like um, underprivileged youth, we could give them the tools they need so that when they get out of high school they're in a better, situation to succeed in life instead of just having to turn to the streets and become criminals or or living hand to mouth because they they can't make a decent living because of the high school education they got. I think these people need more opportunities to go on to college and more like better opportunities in high school too. And so I feel like if we got if we had politicians in the office who were spending the money the right way and not wasting it on all this bogus shit that we've been seeing the last several months, um, do you have an opinion, Erin?
0: You're you're right. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. You're 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 absolutely right. I, I'm I'm in agreement with you a thousand times over. Um, so I think I, I mean I can already see you on the committee. It's called Ways and Means, and that's that's what you really want to do. I mean, yeah. If someone asks you, so. So, so Rebecca, specifically, if elected, what committee do you want to be on? Would you want to be on Ways and Means? Would you want to be on on Justice? What what you know? What section of, of the legislature do you really want to influence? You've been talking a lot about Ways and Means.
1: Um, Justice and Ways and Means, yeah. Justice Those and Ways were, and
0: Means, okay. Yeah. Something they're like
1: kinda, that. in my mind, they're kind of interconnected because where you spend the money at impacts the areas of the country that are or the areas of our society or the areas of our economy right those are the areas that are helped so in my mind if we start spending the money in the right areas to help our children you know so that when they're in high school they've got counselors that are coming alongside them and helping them plan for their future helping them make sure they're getting all the right classes that they need helping them helping them dream helping them think about their future instead of I'm just afraid so many kids graduate from high school or or drop out of high school because they really don't know what there is out there. And so many of them are told that there's nothing out there for them. I'm so tired of people, of of teachers and parents and, and adults. I'm tired of adults in this country telling children in this country that they're not able to do one thing or another because I just really feel like it's really hurt our country because people are no longer dreaming big and and expecting big of themselves and they're no longer expecting big of their children and big of their students right like when i was a kid the sky was the limit like i i knew anything i wanted to do when i grew up i could do it right and i want to make sure every child in america knows that i want to make sure they're never told you know you don't have a chance of being a lawyer because you're growing up in the inner city and and we just don't have the the tools to educate you that way. You know, I want that student to hear, oh yes, come over here. You know, we've got these tools here and here's this um thing we've set up to put you on the the fast track to a good college to get you the training in these like ha- areas of higher education like science and and engineering and mathematics and you know all of these these STEM programs, right? the, the um, things that are really important for our children, so that they are innovators and and creators, and what what America has always been, right? I I think we need to start aiming all our perspectives back towards being creators and innovators and people who do and solve problems and make things happen instead of people who create problems and then just sit around complaining about them or, or people, you know what I mean?
0: Yes, yes, you're, you're right, you're right. So, I mean, I think that what and, you... Know, I, go, I go, go, starts, go ahead, yeah, go ahead.
1: I, I think a lot, I think it starts at, at, at when we're children though, we need to tell our children, kids need to be given a different message as they're growing up in our society. And even adults, I was a kid growing up in the society. So were you, Aaron. And those of us who grew up in the society today, we're hurting and we're struggling with stuff that you know we were told, um, stuff that we, we were told we would never be able to do when we were younger, right? And so I, I just feel like I understand what what these people, what everybody is going through. I feel like everybody's going through the same thing on their own level and in their own situation, their own life and something needs to be done about it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, yes, it, it does.
1: And, oh. and I'm tired, I'm tired of, I'm tired of our, our politicians wasting all our money on all this stupid frivolous stuff and, and us getting very little benefit for it. We need to start investing here at home.
0: Right. I think, you know, to go back to a point that you said about that you're, you're fed up with the people with disabilities who have received training or able to read braille in many cases have actually, some of whom have actually graduated from a university and still sit at home and kind of seemingly refuse to work. Um, I, I certainly do not disagree in any way with you about it. And, and it's offensive to me as well as a successful blind person who does work. Um, it's, also, it's also offensive to me. I can also tell you that I think that, and this I'm saying this mostly to, to the audience because you already know this, but the discrimination and the severity of discrimination that is occurring in every state is much more severe than perhaps and I'm not saying you're unaware, but perhaps and even either one of us is aware because there are there's a lot of profound discrimination in the United States towards people with disabilities. So I that's agree the problem with
1: you on that I agree yeah. with you on that. but one way to at least partially overcome that discrimination is to develop your own certainty in your abilities. And, and home your abilities so that you're good at what you do. So when you go, because I'm not going to go apply for a job that I'm not convinced in my own mind I can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I mean, I might need, I might need to work at it for a couple of weeks to learn how to make little, you know, um, little issues work. But I believe I know how to accommodate myself for my low vision, right? That I can, I'd be able to make it all work. Um, And I'm just, I feel like so many people aren't willing to get out there anymore and use their own head to try to make the job work for them. Like so many of these people that you go apply for jobs for, I think they'd be more willing to work with us if we were saying, oh, hey, look at this. I've got all these ideas of how I can make it work, right? If they know we're already thinking about it and that we already have a lot of great ideas as people who live this life every day, maybe they would be more open to the idea of helping accommodate us to do a job, right? And a lot of these people also don't have the knowledge, but as as the blind people or as the disabled people who are going searching for the job, if we know what our abilities are, if we know what our accessibility tools are, and if we know how to use them and we can demonstrate them to the employer, most employers will give you a trial period, right? But so many people don't even get that far because they just give up. Do you know
0: what I mean? Precisely. Um, That's exactly what's happening. I, and I, my, my opinion is slightly, is not really different, but it's just, my, my opinion has a little bit of a different twist on it than yours, is that what I, what I think is going on just as often as all the other things you've said, everything you've said is, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, there, there's nothing wrong with anything you're saying on top of everything you've said, I also think if I were to add some legislation to add some legalese, I would say that employers need need to be held accountable if they are accused of discrimination against someone with a disability. And I think that we need to start taking the issue of discrimination a lot more seriously. And that I think that blind people need to have a lot more chances to speak up when they were discriminated against, so I view it that way. I think it's a it's a it's a two way street. Blind people need to get educated and need to be ready to work. That's that's not it's a non negotiable. But also no. employers need to be held accountable so it is it is there are two sides of the street it isn't two. you know each string has two sides you know there's both ends of the string is is, is what i'm and, saying and that.
1: i i think most most employers are willing to be held accountable but as the disabled person going to apply for the job i need to be able to advocate for myself too and right. i need to be able to show the employer yes i need accommodations but these are the accommodations i need these are how simple they are to set up and will you help me with this you know and so that's just a suggestion that I have, to for people who want to approach an employer, right? I've no, I've actually known blind people who've gotten jobs this way.
0: Right. So. Sure. Sure. De- definitely. Yes. Yes. Um, so, currently, apart from, you know, all, all all of those things, and of course we'll circle back to it, but apart from all of those things, what are some other you know, key points, some other key problems that, that, that you will solve uh, if elected?
1: Um, well, I'm really concerned about the security of our borders and the security of our, our servicemen and women as they're serving overseas too, because these men and women are in some really dangerous situations. And it really makes me angry because I feel like a lot of the conflicts that our men and women have been taken into in the last several decades have been caused by our politicians or have been agitated by our politicians to the point where our men and women have to go in, right? And I I feel like if our politicians were looking at some of these situations from a different perspective and if they approached them differently, maybe we wouldn't have to go, maybe that wouldn't have to be the first option, right?
0: Well, correct, although it does depend on the, on the specific, on the specific situation. I think you're very concerned about one, one area of law or legislation that you're clearly very, very concerned about, and you and the guest yesterday uh, were were having a very animated discussion about it, is of course this whole immigration law. It seems like you, you want to get the immigration laws under control too.
1: Oh, it's so sad. You know, I'm living here in Arizona. And every time I hear about what's going on right here in Arizona, to these immigrants that are coming over the border, the, the horrendous circumstances that these little kids and these women are being forced to live through, right? And I think there's some men too. But all of these immigrants, when they come across our border, they're just living in squalor while they're being processed, right? And we don't, I I really think the federal government needs to get more like social workers down at the Southern border to get these people processed because it's really not the responsibility of our border agents, our law enforcement to process people, right? And I, I just feel like the Biden administration, they're not giving the border and the people at the border the tools they need to accomplish this instead, the people, the border agents and the people who are trying to keep our borders secure are just being overwhelmed. Um, And, and I, I just think, like I said, the Biden administration needs to send, like I said, social workers and stuff down there to set up tables and offices so that these people can line up and come in and, you know, give their information, be checked in and stuff. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, but the, the argument against it would be that that would that would unfortunately cost a lot of money. You know, that would, that would cost a lot of spending that.
1: How much money are we spending every day on the current situation? And it's not getting better. It's just getting worse. Right. We have to start spending money to make it better instead of just keeping our heads above water or get, or the situation getting worse every day.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And,
1: you know, I, I, a couple of times in my life, I was in situations where, where I was, I felt like I was in a deep hole and I was trying to dig my way out and the hole was filling with sand as I was digging my way out. And I realized all I had to do is I just had to dig faster and faster. I had to climb faster and faster. Well, that's what we're all gonna have to do. Um, But if we all do it, it won't, it'll get done, right? And it should work.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I think you wanna work on some Ways and Means, I see you doing a lot of work in Ways and Means. Um, emigration, em, uh, em, uh, security, that that type of those sections of of the legislature for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Now, and the guest ye- yesterday, um, I do, I mean, I do know him, I'm not going to name drop him. I, I know him, but not well. And one mm-hmm. of the questions that he was asking, and one of the things that you should be thinking about is, yeah, um, and you, you were right yesterday. Yes, you can run for the uh, for the United States Congress or U.S. Senate, whichever side you want to run for. But it, it's a fair argument to make that a lot of poli- many of the politicians do start out locally and kind of work their way up the ladder. Um, so, what's your opinion on that? Do you think you would go for U.S. Congress, or do you think you would start out working in the state uh, legislature?
1: So I, I, I don't plan on running for mayor or city council. I'm initially gonna run for probably state legislature and then national legislature.
0: United States Congress.
1: Yeah, okay. Congress.
0: Right, right. Yeah, this is really good. So <clears throat> and what can you tell me about the state of Arizona and the way the state, you know, legislature works and what what exactly are you going to do to make sure that you're that you're elected in, in the state?
1: Okay. I, to me, the goal is not making sure that I'm elected. I'll be elected if it's meant to be, and if I get elected, I want to, you know, um, make things better for Amer- for Arizonans. Um, and I I think our schools are one place where we need to start. Um, and like I said. It's not. I don't. I'm not complaining about the, what our teachers have been doing. I'm not complaining about what any of the staff is doing at the schools, but I do think our children need to be, like I said, given a, a different message. So, um, I would, um, to be perfectly honest, if if I were able to make national rules, can I tell you two things I would like to change in our public schools? You can tell me. I would if I was the first lady. Two things I would because I remember. I remember Michelle Obama was was implementing some stuff while she was in the White House, right? For our public school kids. And I thought, well, that's really cool to be the first lady and to be able to make changes like that to to make things better for all of our children across the country, right? And so I've been thinking about what I would want to do. And I'm concerned about the physical education that our kids are getting. And I'm concerned about the message that they're getting. So the two things I would do in the schools is i would want to put like life coaches in the schools to give these kids a better message and then as far as the physical education our kids are getting i really would like to see our kids be taught a form of yoga in place of this physical education we've been getting for decades because the physical education i got as a teenager i mean i went to a really good public school. It was a, it was a class C school. So it wasn't overwhelmed with students. I mean, there was, we got really good, good academic teaching and stuff. But after I went blind at the age of 12 and I tried participating in physical education, it was really hard on my body. And I really didn't benefit from physical education after that. And I, looking back, there were other kids who were playing basketball and football who were being injured and they were they were being injured right and i know these kids were going on and they were having pain for years so, Some, of them might still be hurting today right because of the way their injuries were treated and you know i was i think 30 almost 38 years old when i met my yoga instructor and he started doing yoga with me and it was amazing how much benefit i got from it and the the injuries from the, stuff that happened 30 years ago and the injuries from the four car accidents that I've been in over all these years and all the other stuff that's happened to my body as an adult. I have gotten so much benefit from the yoga that I've been doing in the last five years. And so I would like to start an initiative that yoga is taught to our children in the public schools as a way for them to take care of their own physical health and help themselves recover from their their track injuries and their basketball and football injuries and and like people like me, like I was, my I was was like, I was paralyzed on the left side of my body, right? And then I was like falling down the stairs at school because I wasn't allowed to use a cane and stuff. But if they had been giving me yoga and all the other students yoga, I would have been recovering better. And all those other students would have been recovering better from their basketball injuries and their football injuries. Plus yoga, if you teach, these kids yoga, it'll give them like, it teaches them how to take, it's like health and wellness. It teaches them to think about their wellness. And if you teach them that when they're kids and they make that part of their life, it will help our healthcare system in long-term. Plus these kids will go home and share it with their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles. So this could, in my mind, if we were to institute this into our public school system, over a matter of probably just a few years, our healthcare in here in America, I think, would be much better. But it takes, it takes a national initiative. And so, like, I, I just would hope that maybe one of these First Ladies would think about making that her prerogative as the First Lady to, to make yoga available to all the public school students in America so that they can learn a healthier way of life and a way to help themselves recover from their own injuries and stuff. Because, you know, a lot of people have a, had a lot of injuries, whether it's a car accident or they're hit by a car or they they fall down and get hurt or they have like what I had something like a brain tumor like I had. Right. And when this happened to me, my parents and the doctors were devastated and they saw no hope of recovery. But if they had used yoga back then in the beginning. I know my body would have recovered much sooner, right? I would have gotten my strength back sooner and my coordination and all of this stuff, right? And so I I just really feel like we need to make sure this is available to all students here in America. And like I said, over time I believe it would only help our healthcare system because you know, since I started practicing yoga several years ago, I don't I hardly go to, I have probably had physical therapy or occupational therapy. I haven't needed any of that stuff because I'm able to pretty much manage my aches and pains, right? And my, my issues. And so I feel like if we can just teach all of America this, it would help us all. And the way to do that would be to start with the kids. And when that would be, like I said, to put it into the public school curriculum and other schools of course could follow. Um, but does that sound too, too big of a dream? It does
0: not sound like too big of a dream it sounds like a very creative idea i think the answer there is if you if elected in the state legislature of arizona you could certainly um you could certainly be put on if you wanted to and if it works like this you could certainly mm-hmm. be put on the committee of edu- and you know the education committee and 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 introduce some sort of a bill um and you said the word that you use is you said that yoga needs to be available to... and, and when, I,
1: when i say yoga i'm not speaking about the religious part of yoga but no, the no. breathing and the stretching right right it's the breathing and the stretching that is so good for you and when you get into the different yoga poses you're you know you're able to breathe and stretch so much better and so like I said, that's just something I felt strongly about for several years now. Mm. And so that would definitely be one thing I would tackle if I was in the position of power to do that.
0: Sure. Sure. Without, without a doubt, but you said it needs to be, I mean, I I understood what you said. You said yoga needs to be available. So do you mean available or do you mean mandatory? Those I
1: I, I mean, available. Like, so when I went to school, well, when I went to school, like they give you like you had to have PE, special shoes for PE, right? And a lot of times our PE instructor wants to to dress out in shorts, right? Take our long pants off put shorts on so we could work out, you know? So in lieu of PE's shoes and shorts, it's a yoga mat and a yoga bag. So each student has their own yoga mat. And then during PE class, they lay their yoga mats on the floor and the yoga and the PE teacher who doubles as a yoga instructor, like the PE teachers would have to learn how to give yoga instruction, but they would lead the class through the breathing and stretching exercises. And they would lead all of the kids, right? Through the different poses and stuff to help teach them about this, right? And like I said, these children would then be able to go home and teach their parents and their other relatives who were suffering from different pains and aches and injuries. Because in America, we all have so many different injuries. Like I've been in four car accidents, I've fallen down. I've, I've had so many medical stuff, medical things happen to me, right? And there's so many of, I don't think, I bet there's not a single person watching who can't relate to what I'm talking about here. And if we were taught from a young age to overcome those things so that we could continue working and continue being productive people, You know, I just think it would help us out a lot here in America. It would help us with the long-term growth and success of our country. And I believe that this can happen because of what I did in my own life with yoga, right? Like, and not only did I turn my health around with yoga five years ago, but a couple of years ago I broke my tailbone, right? And the doctor said they couldn't really do anything to help me. So I didn't get any help from my doctor at all. I literally used yoga and exercise and and saw myself through it. I, I used my medical marijuana for pain control through it, but yeah, I like I healed myself from my broken tailbone using these things, right? And and I was really proud that I didn't go to my doctor and beg for pain pills. I didn't go to my doctor and ask for some surgery or something like that, I just really felt like I wanted to take care of it my own because you know, when I was a kid, so much invasive stuff was done to me by doctors and medical professionals. And so for a long time now, I've tried to find alternative ways to take care of my healthcare and take care of my aches and pains and my anxiety and and stuff like that. Um, And that's just from personal experience because I, I mean, Western medicine is good like it can save your life when you're dying, right? It saved my life. I had emergency brain surgery, I would have died. But the recovery afterward, I feel would have been much better. I would have been much better served had they utilized these other techniques. Do you understand what I'm saying?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I agree on one hand, um, on the other, of course, I'm not a doctor, so it's not fair for me to, to you know, to pass to to give out my opinion and say yes, you're absolutely right because of the, you know, I I don't I I don't know that to be, I don't know that to be medically correct or not. I but I certainly agree with your the way that you're approaching it, and I think that's really beautiful. And I think I, I think you're definitely on the right track. Um, that we need to really work overall. In in addition to yoga, how about another one? How about teach children, teach children proper nutrition at school, how to eat a healthier diet. That one too. Okay. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing, and I'm not, I'm not throwing, I'm not throwing the yoga idea out out the window. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. Also, uh, in addition to doing yoga, another great thing, eat, eat right, eat right. Teach children Mm -hmm. how to eat a healthy diet. Tell them Mm -hmm. how many hours to sleep each night to have a good, a good night's sleep is a lot of it too. And, so, and maybe
1: and maybe trying yeah. to help kids find things to do, like read a book instead of being on a computer playing games. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I, I, I think I think we've <laughs> I think we've I think you're going to lose the battle there to some degree. I mean, I mean, I'm yeah, younger I than I mean, I'm younger than you. I'm 30. And, you know, we have my, my brother's generation. Is they're like in their early twenties, so you know you have to you have to calculate the the different demographics and generations that you're going to be speaking to. I mean, yeah. I agree with you, but these these twenty year old these twenty year old kids they 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 can't they can't get off their computers. They just so won't. My, so
1: my fourteen year old and my nineteen year old, so over the years they have become very involved in their computers. But every time their mom shows up with some new twist a plot books. Or something like that, and they see the cover, they take an interest, right? Because these books, they look cool, right? If you bring the books to your kid instead of trying to get your kid to the bookstore, you know, and just set them down in front of them, like my kids, especially my youngest son, he's really liking reading. If I will bring the books home to him, he'll read them. But, but they're, they, it's like kids don't know how to find books anymore. Like when we were kids, we went to the library. Like I remember we had library class. The library would come and get us and take us to the library and let us check out books. And we could take them home for a week and read them. And then we had to return them the following week at library class. But the kids aren't doing that anymore. Everything is on these laptops. But if you give them an actual paper book, I know my kids have really loved it. And they really do take to reading more once they're introduced to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you're someone who's successful, and you know you know how to be a great parent. So, of course, of, oh of, no, of, no, no, no! I don't know
1: how to be a great parent. Don't accuse me of that, because I don't want people thinking that I'm a great
0: parent. I, I still, I still, but, but can I, but can I still think that you're that you truly are a great person? Can I still think that, or, or is that a little? Am I giving you too much, too, too much credit? Um,
1: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a work in progress there, that you, way. That's a, I'm that's trying a to be a better person, I, you know, oh and I, oh I want to implore, implore our viewers, I know you may be having some struggles, but if you can try to put a smile on your face, maybe take some deep breaths before you try to put that smile on your face, things can usually go better, like a gentle word turns away wrath, that's biblical. And I've used that. And and so, and it works in the same way. Like if you're grumpy, if you take some deep breaths and before you talk to your loved ones, right? The the conversation will go better. And so um, I just, that's just one thing I wanna to talk to our viewers about is try to, try to think about, about what your words are doing to people <laughs> you're talking to okay because our your words can cut the heart out of your loved ones um um we all can do that with our words we can get, cut the very heart of, out of those we love the most and um if you find yourself at that point where you're about to say something like that i suggest you just shut your mouth and turn and walk away and come back later when you can be civil um anyway it's just a suggestion
0: i agree i agree um and uh, unfortunately, for so many people, that is easier said than done. So, mm-hmm. but no, I I completely agree with you. I think that uh, we really need to tackle. So we really need to tackle the healthcare issue. is is a serious issue, not just for people with disabilities, but anyone. Um, then the issue with, you know, getting blind people to, to realize that they need to be working and can, and will, that's a little bit more complicated. Uh, well, all of these things are. And then of course the immigration thing, but, uh, you know, you've been on my show before. This is the second time I think, um, and last time you, you were talking a lot about blue, blue butterfly enterprises. Uh, a lot has been changing and there's been so much great stuff going on over there. What's what's the latest update from from BBE, as you like to call it
1: oh, Blue Butterfly Enterprises? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know where to start, Aaron. Um, um, well, I'm 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 making progress on the books that I'm writing a lot of good progress. Um, And Gino and I are making progress on our movie project. Um, And um, nothing, I don't have any big announcements to make on any of our projects right now, just that stuff is really happening in our projects and stuff is really coming together. And we're both, Gino and I are both really excited about everything we're working on. And so um, I really think in the next few months we'll have some really big announcements to make. and um, anyway, I, I wanna um, encourage our, the viewers to go check out my YouTube channel and watch my videos because I have been making some big announcements over the last few months too. So um, anyway, they can check out Becca's World on YouTube if they want to see what we're doing. If they hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, then they'll be notified about our upcoming big announcements that we have too.
0: So what is, I mean, you're, do, you're doing a lot of great work. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the movie uh, because you know I read, I read your books and I certainly am going to watch the movie. So I definitely am looking forward to learning about it and knowing when it's going to come out and, you know, how people will be. So how are you planning on telling people and how are you planning on, in general, distributing out this movie when it does come out?
1: Oh, there, there are professionals that will be in charge of, of marketing and distribution. Um, but one thing I can tell our viewers that this might, so here at BBE, I, I'm always working on lots of different projects. If I'm not in front of my computer typing away, then I'm thinking about what I'm going to be writing. And if I'm not on my treadmill exercising, make myself stronger and meditating, then I'm, then I'm doing other things. Right. And so, um, just a minute, Aaron, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, um, Oh, one big thing I've been working on the last couple weeks is I am taking an acting class in preparation for one of my projects that's coming up so um, i'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, And and just we're we're working on stuff here at blue butterfly enterprises and stuff is getting really exciting and stuff is really coming together for us, Um, but i've been sworn to secrecy about so much of it, I really sure. Sure. You know, I I don't want to touch on any details because I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) Um, Just suffice it to say, I'm really excited about everything that we have going on here. And um, I, you know, as the more time passes, the more I just believe that the sky is the limit with my, what I'm doing here at BBE. And, um, and I just see more and more signs. It seems like each and every day stuff is happening and to make me believe that the sky is the limit here and so I'm just very excited about what's going to be I'm really excited to to know where we're going to be at 12 months from now because there are so many exciting things we have going on here at BBE in the next 12 months
0: oh definitely Um, So, so so you know one of the one of the things that I've been noticing as my podcast and YouTube channel YouTube brand has grown and and it is one of the things that i've noticed is that a lot of and you are i'm very glad that you are not one of these people because you are the most approachable person in the community that i've ever dealt with and i've dealt with people all over the world in the blindness community i'm i'm i'm, I'm by the way i'm not exaggerating that really is true i've had people on all the continents but one thing that i'm kind of noticing lately and i'm i'm wondering Is it just my imagination from Aaron's opinions imagination or is this actually true? I've noticed a lot of, maybe a lot of other content creators, especially when they gain a really, a really, really, really large following. They tend, in my opinion, they tend to kind of um, be a little bit, not really, resistant isn't really the word, but they tend to kind of close down more. And I think that and what I mean by closed down is that these people who have large followings are not always, in my opinion, open to new guests and new ideas. Um, and I think that kind of sends the wrong message to blind people, especially when most of their viewers are blind. Um, have you noticed this at all? And what do you, what do you think about that, about that particular phenomena?
1: Um, I don't know about what anybody else is doing, but I know myself, I work to keep an open mind and a broad perspective. And that's why so many big things have been happening with my company and in my life also in the last several years. Um, And it's all about your own perspective, you know, and and how you're viewing things. Um, And that's why I I wanna drive that point home to our viewers because as blind individuals, it's really easy for us to put our mind in a box and to limit ourselves by our thinking, right? And I had to work really hard to free my mind from the box that it was locked into when I woke up blind at the age of 12. And, um, but once I was able to do that, now it just seems like, Aaron. it just seems like, especially now that I've opened my company, because I've been practicing everything I've been learning for decades now, these last two years while I've opened my company. Like I said, it just seems to me like the sky is the limit with my company. I, I literally, don't put anything beyond what I can do here, um, and I my, with my political aspirations, I feel the same way. That's why I'm really not willing to say what office I want to run for right now because I don't want to put myself in a box. Sure, you know, because if what if I what if I dream too small? And I, I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people dream too small. They they set their their sights too short or too slow, right? And and I think blind people especially. Tend to do that because they don't think they can but but if you set your your sights high and your goals high. You know, you always have something to work for and maybe that's why I feel like i've been running and running and running for decades and decades but but i've been working hard and now I feel like. It's all paying off because now I have my company and now we've got these really big projects going on and a lot of great things so it's a lot of work to to live your life like that but it pays off
0: definitely definitely it does um yeah and i i that's why i keep an open mind as well because the more open we are the more the more we can the more we can get done and I i think you're absolutely right um i i also hope as i probably have said before as i tell every guest um i also hope at some point you'll you'll get into podcasting and maybe have some more, you know, upload some more content into into sort of a podcast kind of a radio show like format, because you uh, uh-huh, you know, you do a really, really good job telling your story. So I always wonder about that. When well, are you gonna when so, are you gonna set up a podcast?
1: Okay. So I love listening to podcasts. Um and honestly, Gino and I have been talking, have talked about podcasts. We it's been a while since we've talked about putting podcasts in place um but i think it's merely i think it's mostly a matter of getting the right getting the the technology and the software to turn the videos we've already created into podcasts the audio of them right correct so um and like during the quarantine, I think it was Gino and I were talking about this. He explained to me how easy it would be for us to make podcasts because it'd just be, like I said, the the sound from our current shows um, and our our future shows too, of course, at that point. But, you know, Erin, this is a good question. And honestly, Gino and I have a couple of things that we need to work on. For example, before the quarantine hit, we were working on pulling together some Becca's World t-shirts. And we were gonna to go to the mm. NFB convention and pass them out to people. And we were gonna also do VIP challenge interviews at the NFB convention. And so we had big big plans like those, right? So yeah. those are things I need to touch base with Gina on again because since we didn't, weren't able to do it in 2000 or in 2020 or 2021, mm-hmm. we'll be doing that in 2022. And you know what, we still need to we need to get back and talk about the podcast thing so. No, wait.
0: Okay, never never mind. You know what? Never mind about the podcast for a minute. You know what? You know what would be even cooler is what? if is if we all went to the national convention in person and recorded like a professional show like in person. That would be even cooler. Yes, uh, that that would be yes, yes, yes. Yeah,
1: see, what Gina and I were going to do in two thousand in 2000 and then we were going to do it in 2001 but now we're gonna to have to do it in 2002 Is we like we were literally going to take camera equipment and I was going to rent a room for me and a, a room for Gino and we were going to take like take appointments for people to come up for you know and we were going to have it so people were coming into like one of the rooms and we were going to have the camera equipment set up because the thing is we have to have a quiet environment right we can't I mean, last year or actually it was 2019, we went to the Arizona State NFB convention and we were able to interview some people in person. Did you see any of those videos? I did not, no. Okay, well, they're still up on Becca's World if you want to go look at them. They're just some of our earlier videos. But so we went, like I said, to the convention, the state convention in person. We I interviewed, I remember Colin Wong, an OM instructor from Savvy, and several other people. Um, I think I interviewed three or four people, um, maybe more than that, but we didn't, we didn't do any VIPs. We weren't doing VIPs yet at that point, I don't think. But we're, because we've already done some of that, that's also the kind of stuff we want to do when we have the next national convention. We're going to be doing the VIP videos um, one-on-one that, that we'll be taking appointments for, but we also plan on getting out into the convention hall and interviewing people about their experiences and stuff like that. Because I really enjoyed that when I went to the state convention um, here in Arizona. I just walked up to people, I was like, hey, what's your name? And how did you get here today? Because you know, so many people, as blind people, when we travel to a convention, we all have our own ways of getting there. Most sighted people, they drive and they park their car and they walk in, right? But when you're blind, it's like, (laughs) a lot of times we use three or four different modes of transportation to get to our final destination, right?
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah, or at least two
1: or three. And so, so like, it was fun when I went to the state convention, just randomly meeting people and asking them these questions or asking them what, what they wanted to achieve at the convention. And then, Like there's just so many opportunities at the convention to get the kind of videos I enjoy here at Beth as well. I like these videos where I'm talking to people about their lives about their work or what they know or what they've experienced right or what they want to do what about the future if not the past or present right.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah, Yeah, and that's really, that's really the type of conversations that I like to have here, because I like to have meaningful conversations where I ask people about their lives their aspirations, mm-hmm. you know, really, really, I really dig in with people. I really philosophize with people. Um, I prefer the harder questions, you know, I, I prefer mm-hmm. a, hard, a hard interview and a really meaningful one. And that's something that you can definitely get at, you know, in person. Um, and the experience mm-hmm. you would have in person would be different from the experience we're having here over Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. over YouTube, you know, it's two, two totally different things, but yeah, mm-hmm. that would be really exciting. Um, to have some sort of a, and this is just an idea, some sort of a Becca's World event, like at the National Convention or something oh, like
1: that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we'll probably do something like that. And another thing that I want to do, so like before I ever opened my company, I used to go to the NFB convention and I'd go down to the exhibit hall with my iPhone. And I'd interview some of the vendors about their products and stream it to my Facebook channel or my Facebook page, Right. So that's something else I would like Gino and me to do when we go to the National Convention is I'd like us to go down to the exhibit hall so we can interview these exhibitors and these people about the products and services they have, right? And we could put that on Becca's World so people who aren't at the convention can maybe get a feel for these things, right? Because even if you, even when you go to the convention, it's really hard to get down to the exhibit hall and look at everything.
0: And why why would it be? What do you mean? It's really hard to get down to the. Why would it be hard to get down yeah. to that exhibit hall? What What do you mean? Well, I
1: I've, I've been to a few conventions, and personally, it's a long walk from where everything, where most of the stuff is at, down to the exhibit hall, right? And they have like, there's one day I think where it's the exhibit hall is open like like from like nine to five, but otherwise. Throughout the convention, there's like two hours here or an hour there. And those little, I can't imagine how people get anything accomplished in the exhibit hall during those small little bit pieces, right? Because you have to stand in line forever. And that's after you find what you want, you know, to check out and to make your way through it all. It's so crowded. And so I feel like if we had somebody at the convention who was going table by table, doing a good solid interview of all the vendors and what their products were, and then putting those infomercials up on the internet so people can browse through it all at their convenience and get all of the information instead of what we're able to get, because we're not able to get a lot um, at the convention in person at the exhibit hall. You know, as a blind person who go who's been to the exhibit hall several times. I've never been able to go through the entire exhibit hall. I, be, I barely make it down one side of the first table, right? Or the, down the first side of the first table, right? And then I'm tired and then I'm wanting to leave. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people are even intimidated to go into the exhibit hall. But since, since Gino and I have the, the services, I figure maybe we can go down there and interview some of these people and just put the videos out on Becca's World so people know what they've missed, right?
0: yeah that is a really good idea and i completely agree that there's a lot at these exhibit halls and you you can't see it all so i Mm -hmm. i yeah you should definitely do that and definitely set up a playlist for you know exhibit hall and then you can say the convention and where it was and when it was yeah definitely
1: and and Um, see mm -hmm. because because i'm new at this my plan of attack on this, when we do go do this, is to probably contact NFB first and try to get a list of the exhibitors so I can reach out to them myself, and then they can set up, we could set up appointments, you know what I mean? So th- that Gino and I can go and maybe get them all done in a certain period of time so that we still have some time to enjoy the convention, right?
0: Sure. Plus, oh, yeah.
1: Like the, the exhibitors might be able to meet with us when the exhibit hall is not actually open. They might be able to be able to be with us on their own time and give us one-on-one interviews, right? Which we would then record and put up on Becca's World if we couldn't get it through, you know, get so many one-on-one interviews going through the exhibit hall. But this is just what I'm trying to work on because if these exhibitors could get more exposure maybe they'd make more money and, you know it could only help the NFB because these are the sponsors of the NFB.
0: Right. So. Yeah. De- no. Definitely. That's something that you should absolutely do. Have a yeah. Definitely do individual interviews um, mm-hmm. with the exhibitors um, of their products. But then, of course, it would have to be in a more quiet place because that exhibit hall gets very noisy. Right. So and that's why that's I'm tricky. Still, like, yeah.
1: So, like we probably won't be able to do this until 20, the convention of 2022, if then, right? So what I'm going to do is I'll contact, like I said, the NFB beforehand and get their list of exhibitors, and then I'll just contact each of them individually and see when they want to set up their individual one-on-one interview that we can record and then put up on Breakfast World, right? Because if they want to do it at the convention, or maybe we could do it virtually before the convention, right? So that they're they're giving it plenty of time to give the viewers all the information about their products and maybe they could even demonstrate it on the video right it's a free service so i mean i do my best right but that's all what i was thinking to try to make it work for them um and because here at becca's world i want to teach people i want to make sure people have all the information that's available
0: yeah definitely yeah that's that's all. That's all really good. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and what can you tell me about, you know, the state conventions in in Arizona? Of course, I've never been to Arizona. So, what? So, what can you tell me? Oh,
1: so, Aaron, each state has a state convention. Like, oh, so I know. Oh,
0: uh, uh, you want let...
1: to tell me what state you're? But your state right. has a state convention. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find out when your state convention is and. What it is, have you been to a national NFB convention?
0: Well, I've been to both. I've been to the national a couple of times and the state a couple of times. so, oh, so you know what mm-hmm. I'm
1: talking about then. Right,
0: okay. yes. But I was just wondering if you can give the viewers a little bit more information about you know, how Arizona is and, and what, what the general atmosphere of an Arizona state convention is and what types of things they do,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, NFB conventions are about ex- like access and advocacy. Pretty much, right?
0: Right, sure.
1: And so, so just like any other state convention or any national convention, mm-hmm. at our at our state convention, we do seminars that are about advocacy and and how to get access to tools and and we demonstrate you know tools and and what we know and stuff, right? So that's those are the kinds of things that we do at the Arizona State Convention. I haven't been involved in putting together an Arizona State Convention, but I've been to, a, I think, two or three of them now.
0: Very good, and do they usually hold the convention in like Phoenix, uh, Tucson? Uh, what what part of, Arizona, like, is, is it always, or is it in a, in a different city each year in Arizona? But
1: the last, couple have been virtual and I think the one before that was in Tucson and the one before I think I've been to one in Tucson and one in Phoenix so far before the virtual one starts now you have to understand I moved here in 2015 so I've been here for like five or six years and two of those years were virtual so um and I didn't wasn't really heavily involved right in the beginning so
0: right right sure sure well, Rebecca from Blue Butterfly Enterprises, know that you are always welcome here on Aaron's Opinion. As I said, as I said last time, and as I say with every episode to wrap it up, for one, thanks so much for joining me. Do you have any any questions? As I always like to say, do you have one question now that you know this is the second time we've spoken, second or third time we've spoken? Do you have one question you want to ask me now to, to really make my to really make me sweat to see if I'm worth my salt as a podcaster? What do you really want to know now?
1: Are you as handsome as you sound? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. That's all I wanted to know. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Erin.
0: You've been listening to When a Butterfly Runs for Public Office right here on Life Improvement Radio or wherever you get a podcast. This episode was recorded on the 6th of August at 2000 New York. Rebecca, you did a great job. Um, I wish you the very best of luck. And I really want to learn more. um, If you do end up running for public office, I really hope that you speak about it on your channel. And I really look forward to hearing from you and hearing more about that. I wish you the very best of health and very best of luck. And continue and just keep up your great work there at Blue Blue Butterfly Enterprises. Um, you're, You're really doing a great job. So, yeah, keep it up. Good job. Um well okay. Um that's about all I can really say for this, you know, for today's episode. Uh 1240 Opinion6 at gmail.com. Follow on Facebook and Twitter, comment on YouTube, even consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. Uh this has been another great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it from all over the world. As I'd like to say here at Aaron's Opinion, help one person today, help a million people tomorrow. Aaron Richmond, Aaron's Opinion, Life Improvement Radio, on the Helium Radio Network.